in front of you is a switch. If you flip that switch, two million of your neighbors, your friends, your fellow countrymen, load up and leave their families to face the new threat of evil on your doorstep. Some never to return. If you don't, who knows the future of your country, the future of your society, the future of humankind. Making the decision to go to war should be a difficult one. Let's talk about why today on Candor Encounter. I'm David. I'm Sean. And today we are joined by our other brother. Jeremiah. We are a many. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremiah, on loan from the great state of Georgia. This is all of the brothers. Though. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is it. You ain't getting better all than this. All four in one Although, room. you know, we all are told that we sound alike, and I think it goes the same for Jeremiah. But I think if we were to add dad to the podcast, like you said, Sean, it's probably... <laughs> It would be all of us are almost indistinguishable. We've been told. Oh, I don't know. We can tell each yeah, other. It's, yeah. it's, I remember in high school, people would call, I'd answer, they would think I was dad all the time. We had, hey, Mr. Bumbarger, oh, oh, wait a minute. I can't, it's tell not you, him. I can't tell you the number of times that I got called Beanie answering the phone. Oh my God. That was Jeremiah's. <laughs> name. Yeah. Yeah. My high school name. Thanks for bringing yeah. that up. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a sore spot? <laughs> Not really. No, no. So today we're here, we're talking about the justifications for, for war. war. So this topic was technically brought to us by David, but we're being joined by Jeremiah today, so we had him do the intro. The, the topic that we really wanted to dig deep into today was really whether w- war was ever justifiable in any way and whether that was ever the right answer. Right. And that same question just in reverse form is, is pacifism, true pacifism, like just across the board, never using armed conflict as a solution or violence as a solution, acceptable, never acceptable. Generally speaking, I think this topic relates to states and governments. I mean, you can right. look at this uh, from a personal tribal perspective or something like that. Um, but I think the question generally to a listener would mean on a governmental level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we can, a country to country type situation. We can talk about it. And I think in general, I think in general, it can, you can go down to the personal level. Yeah. Um, and the same either theories and thoughts should be able to be used in all aspects, whether all the way from your personal level to your neighbor, all the way up to the government type of situation. Because um, war can mean many of things, whether it's a brawl between you and somebody at a bar, it might just be a fight, but that's a 
a single battle in a war between you and that other person. Uh, so, so just you, conflict in general. Right, just, war, a, right. just a general in conflict in general can be considered war in one way, shape, or form. It's like corporate conflict. But right. It seems like pacifism would be a lot easier route to take on the personal level, like smaller scale. Like it seems like war is a lot harder to dodge if you're yeah, a governing yes. body. Yes, that well, I don't disagree with. It's like you have more tools on the personal level, right? Yeah. I mean, you have more avenues for a solution, I guess. There That's are many, true, too. There are many avenues people don't think about when it comes to country war. Mm-hmm. And I think, to an extent, Trump was good at being able to mitigate some of those. People don't realize the like the restrictions on sanctions and things like that. Granted, they didn't always work, and I don't think they were the greatest decision. Everywhere they were used or the, everywhere the government has used them, but they were able, some of the ones he used were able to mitigate some battles that we possibly could have gotten into. So it's like a lot of people talk about how the projection of power mm-hmm. is yeah. in its own, in itself a, a stopping force yeah, for right. aggression in some ways right. because... Well, the sanctions weren't just a thing of power. That was more or less, that was a money thing. Yeah, I was just speaking generally about right. the way people have talked about Trump. And I mean, companies work right. the same way with security guards. Right. He is one myself. Like the first thing they tell you is just you being there is the first. Mm-hmm. First like, line of first, first wall that people have to get through. It's it's it makes any aggression more difficult. Yeah. Right. Right. The lack of security or the lack of protection or the lack of strength or or what might look like strength invites more opportunity for aggression. They also look at, and it's not always a security person, but there's one one thing I've heard a lot of. Um, a lock only keeps an honest man honest. So if you're out looking for something, you're going to find it. Oh, yeah. No lock is really unpickable, and most of them don't last that long, in all honesty. Um but I mean, obviously, a guard in the area can help mitigate some of it. But if he's if somebody's really out there looking to get in, simple tools will do the job, right? Yeah. And if they want to, they can find the way around the guards. No system is perfect. No, it's not necessarily war thought, but it's still that's yeah. if right. somebody wants to do harm, there isn't always a way to prevent it, right? I believe, and that's when it comes down to war. You know. Part of a, a lot of the way that people justify the need for war is, of course, being on the defensive. Right. Mm-hmm. Like being pro- providing protection. That's like, uh, you know, Roosevelt, speak quietly, carry a big stick. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think that it's a very common way of looking at war is like the victim's perspective, right? So, like, you, as the. Uh, well, I said victim. What, what's the other term? Like the not defensive. the aggressor, but the yeah, the the one that is being aggressed. Yeah, that's where I was struggling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if you're on the side of what you would consider the innocent party, right? You're just existing, um, and then you have an aggressor. Let's say, I mean, World War II is a very clear cut example of like yes, mm-hmm. expansionist fascist ideologies that just like blew across the landscape 
And it was very clear to other countries that this is not a, I don't have any chips in the game type situation. Right. You know, it didn't matter who you were, you know, the United States stayed out really as long as they possibly could. I mean, they supported indirectly a lot of people for a long time, but a lot more than I realized recently. Oh yeah. They had their hands. Similar to like the Ukrainian thing. We were, giving munitions and money and things like that to essentially every power except for the Axis. But there's a big difference between committing your manpower. I mean, that's a big change. Yes. You know, yeah. It, commit yeah. to the lives of your citizens. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was like we had a total of like, at least on paper, like 16 officials over there and then just endless amounts of assistance. Yeah. yeah. Monies and weapons and things. Yeah. yeah. And it is a way for, you know, people to sort of wash their hands of the situation and Mm -hmm. not really say that they did, you know, we did not go to war, but every war nowadays is sort of this semi cold war, semi hot war. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, whether we have equipment over there, whether we have people over there, how long has it been going on? What like the tensions are different, you know, warfare is not like, of course it used to be. And and it's definitely not always army against army. Guerrilla warfare is a new system of fighting that has disrupted the sort of justifications for war and how you go about like what's fair, what's not fair. And um, when is, you know, like we have all these wars over um, over the last couple of decades in the Middle East about like terrorism. And a lot of that is guerrilla warfare and how much of that, justifying going to war against an ideology is is a tough question compared to going to war against an aggressive state right Right. it's easy to declare war against another army yeah if somebody's standing at your doorstep you're like well i guess we're fighting yeah i mean it's a very clear indication that if i don't then they're just knocking down my door you know right yeah my preliminary thoughts are very rudimentary it is something I've thought about before, the justification for war. But recently in the past few years, I'd say two or three, I've done more research and learning on previous wars, all American wars, um, and realizing how bad decisions lead to outcomes that we don't want and we don't realize it until afterwards. Um, now I understand hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, obviously the unpredictability but, of warfare. Right. Prior to that research and the more extensive I did recently, um, prior to the podcast, it was war was mostly justified. Are research. you are you saying war in our past has been mostly justified? Or in general, you, more or less in general. I want to. I was trying to stay more on the general topics of things mm-hmm. the more I research the more in depth especially in the past two yeah. or three years um i think that has changed a little bit my thought process and how i think it should be thought about in new next generations kind of things should change so you feel like i, I want to be careful not to put words in your mouth i'm just trying right. to understand yeah so i guess are you saying that in general there have been good reasons for warfare? Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it, in 
I was trying not to get too much into the weeds because of, oh, I want to be able to extrapolate more later on in the podcast. Um, But my initial thoughts was more, war was justified more than not. Okay, I I understand that. So what about you, Sean? Did you feel, have you, do you feel like the wars you've seen in or learned about, you know, in history class has been mishandled or do you feel like, I mean, that's a very broad question. I get that, you know, but elaborate Uh, as much as you like. I mean, there have definitely been justifications, I think, like just justifications. And there have definitely been not just justifications. And I think going to war is never really a good thing, but it could be a necessary evil. Uh, and this was all before research. I didn't really like the thought had never really occurred to me if war is just, it just wasn't a subject that I thought about on the surface before research. I'm mostly against it. Like if, if it's avoidable, avoid it. But I think there are definitely justifications there. Like combating like malicious evil or defending, you know, but I didn't have much deeper thoughts than that. Yeah. Right. Like that's similar to where I, I don't, I'm at, I don't think true pacifism has a a real place. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Like I consider myself. It's like that. I never thought that (laughs) it's like true altruism or true. Like we talked about in the past. You can't, it's it's a great thought and idea and I don't disagree with that. It's like, but it's just an impossible possible. If it was a, if it was feasible. Sure. Yeah. It's like one of those things like if in this imaginary world you could get everyone <laughs> in the everyone on the planet to destroy their nuclear weapons and everyone to yeah, hang up their right, guns right. and everyone like but that's a dream world. Yeah. yeah You're not acting those, like by humans. all means. Yeah, if that yeah. is possible, I would I would be behind it. Same, yeah. It's like Steely Dan but, said, only a fool would say that. Right. <laughs> it's it, just one it of those is like, completely impossible. War World War Two happened. Yeah. For a reason. For a very good reason. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, uh, and well, you, it started for a horrible reason. Yeah. We entered it for a good reason. Well, exactly. That's what you meant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. That's a good I, way I to know put what it. you meant. I'm but. glad you clarified <laughs> But it's like, you can't, you can't say, anyone ever cannot say that there is never a good reason for war. Yeah. Because you can't look at some expanding army that's, uh, going to attempt to purify the world right? with their idea of the perfect human and right. say that nobody can stop them. Right. It's like they don't have a just reason for war, but putting them down is just yes. a just reason yeah. for war. And that I was going to say, that's that was kind of my initial thoughts was like, I there's a point where it's just like the gloves are off and you can't you can't stop a bad war from happening necessarily in the same way you can't stop a good war quote unquote mm-hmm. from happening what but about- I, I do think there should be less war I guess I don't, I don't right. know how to as a to very say general it. thought yeah. right like that that was my idea was like just wars hard to ter- 
hard to determine in the same way that some people consider morals. Yeah. Wait, what do you mean? Like where some people view it objectively and like they're this, my side is just because of this. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Right. Taking to the fact of like the crusades on both sides, because there were um, crusades all over the place. As much as I'm okay with defending said land or property or things like that, there was a time where crusades were happening just because they wanted to fight the other religion. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a big no-no Yeah, (laughs) kind of situation. (laughs) You're killing someone just because they believe something else and they're on a piece of land that you think you, it's yours. Yeah. Yeah, it's purely ideological. Right. Ideological wars are, in my terms, the bad wars that shouldn't be fought. Well, I don't know. I mean, because look, I mean, I mean, it it could all be considered ideological. That's true. Right. Yeah. I was going to get to like this sort of communism versus uh, capitalism. Right. Right. This sort of red scare that went through. It is an ideological perspective. Right. I mean, because they believe a certain thing and we believe that because they believe a certain thing, they pose a danger to. Our way of life, you know, humanity in a way. Mm-hmm. And so, although I commonly share those perspectives, the ideas about, um, you know, I share the ideas about communism and the damage that it could do in my personal opinion. Um, I don't know if I share the perspective that I feel so strongly about it, that it you know, that's a hard place to be where you say, well, because committing to warfare is, is committing to the lives of other people and, and, and resources. And of course the immoral decision that that might be to do that, uh, for your ideology. And so just for the sake of fighting against them, because they are communist, I don't Mm -hmm. know. I mean, I of course disagree with the ideology, but that doesn't mean that I feel like that's a strong enough point to necessarily go to war. Right, it's like... right. As as much as I don't disagree with that, um, because the idea of other countries running a communistic society, um, I don't think China is 100% like communistic society, but what they're doing on a daily basis with their people people is atrocities. Do I think we should all-out fledge war on China... At this moment, no, probably not. But they have killed millions of people of of their own people. Yeah, strictly for just government research, uh, research, and for religious reasons. Mm-hmm. And, and religious. the the Uyghurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, what did they determine? It was like a million, or is it less than that? I can't remember. I don't remember the exact number. Uyghurs? It's Uyghurs are uh, like Chinese Muslims, basically. Oh, okay. But China does not like. Muslim. The Muslim ideology uh, or the Muslim religion either. I mean, and there is a sect. Even within the Middle East, there are uh, two, maybe three different sets. I can't, can't remember sects of uh-huh. Muslims that fight each other on the daily. Right, uh-huh. right. Yeah. Like they see each other in the street and they throw hands. Yeah, yeah. And the, the Uyghurs are ethnically Chinese, but they are religiously Muslim. Gotcha. Right. And they put them in camps, like prison camps. Like they put put them on trains 
oh, man. eerily yes, concentration. Oh they're man, like put bags over their heads yeah. and like oh put them on man, and send them to. Prison. I heard I've heard of uh, Chinese like rough. internment camps. But did, I didn't yeah. know. did y'all look? At they any? deny it, but they have like aerial, yeah, yeah. of course, photographs. Have y'all? Did y'all look any more into the uh, Golden Projects? I haven't. I haven't either. It got it gets so much worse than just the censorship. Oh yeah. And we talked a little bit about their credit system. Yeah. Ooh. So but that raises the question. So we talked about all these different aspects of other governments, right? Mm-hmm. So Chinese governments. The Chinese undoubtedly can pose a serious threat to the Western way of life. Mm-hmm. Right. Um now, and the stronger their interject. communist if, society gets, the more dangerous they become. Right. If right. And they now to were interge- to expand. Yeah. Right. And to to interject a little bit there, um, our Western society is what most people call it. And it, this is more of a, a thought experiment. Who's to say our way of life is the right way of life? Right. right. Because they think their way of life is of the course. right way of life. Thinking this. Uh, outside of both thought processes or both ideologically ideologies anyway, because the Western civilization as we know it is our ideolo- ideology that we grew up with, that we believe is right. Yeah. And by all means, you're not going to sick it's that a, thought in my head. It's a bias. I yeah. believe it is a bias, but I believe that you're right. Yeah. Um, because I believe the American way has, formed Western civilization as we know it. It has let most, not all religions, to grow and flourish into what I feel they should be today. Um, because you have, uh, I'm Catholic, but you have old Catholicism where they condemned and beaten and battered people just because they were gay or homosexual or any number of reason, right? I might be Catholic, but I don't believe that any of that is right. And mm-hmm. I think those processes across the globe, for the most part, and in all religions to an extent, has changed because of this American experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is the right direction this world should go in. Right. But I. But whether warfare is worth all of that. Right. Is a is a very tough decision to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like at what point, right? So we, I was saying that just as a thought experiment, like the Chinese say in the future, some point pose a serious threat to world safety. Right? They've become powerful enough, strong enough. Uh, they 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 have control over like world economies because they're dominant in the financial market, and they control like economic goods and Which all is of this stuff. Not right? far off. No, it is actually not that far off because they're in they're, they're in num- yeah, they're chasing yes. well they're knocking <laughs> on the United real. States door yeah. as far as being a world or the world power, right? Yep. Yeah. And they have been fast approaching that door at an exponential rate. And so what they're doing is working and they're using a communist system and they're playing the capitalist game against the capitalists, right? Mm-hmm. They're just using our system. Right. They're they're running a communist country, but using a free market capitalist right. mm-hmm. economy. Yeah. They, in, like, internally, they, they use right. our systems to trade and make money, yep. right. but they use the, ca- the communist form of control mm-hmm. and censorship and um, top-down. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, top-down everything. Yeah. Top-down yeah. economics. Yeah. Right. So – 
with that on the horizon, I mean, like, I'm not saying, obviously, that I'm saying, well, let's just go to war with China. I'm just saying we're talking about the justification for war. And right. we all have decided I actually didn't chime in about how I felt before. <laughs> oh, yeah. And everybody else said oh, yeah. I forgot to do it. But uh, it's pretty simple because it's pretty much like every other listener probably. Right. And that you felt like obviously there are reasons to go to war that feel right. Everybody's read, you know, Anne Frank's diary. Mm -hmm. Everybody's been in history class. You know that there are atrocities that have to be answered for and that there have to be stopped before they just take the world into a place. We don't want to know what it would be like. Mm -hmm. And so we know that there's a point where we have to stop evil with force. And I'm sure there may be some absolute pacifists listening here today, but for the most part, most people are on the same page as us. But going forward, where is that line? So we've determined that no, a pure pacifist isn't really, at least in my opinion, uh, not a realistic thing. Yeah, it's not viable. I mean, it's I, a non-starter. Like, no you'll, no you'll matter get, how much I wish it was, you you can't just say that and be safe right. exactly yeah. exactly exactly you're a, just done a side note from the the world war ii and frank diaries and the way the world could have been mm-hmm. one thing i thought was really neat and it, it took a little too far as far as like other dimensions or whatever but the show man in the high castle oh have you guys ever seen it Dude, that show forever. Have you ever watched it? No. Oh, dude, watch it. Watch that it. Needs watch to be it. The next I, thing should, on your list. I should watch yes. the rest. I've only watched like the first. If you're not episode. familiar with the show, the premise of the show is like Germany won, won. the war. Yeah. And then the United States is under the control of uh well, multiple com- multiple countries are under the control of the German uh Reich. Yeah, this so Nazi or Nazi Germany and Japan take took the world and they just split it all in half. Um and they, I think they, if I remember correctly, they split America directly in half. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Well, I know the, it. The I don't West, remember if it was w- perfectly in half, but it was like West Coast, yeah, East the Coast. The West Coast was Japan and all the East Coast was Germany. And mm. then there was like a, a uh, neutral like zone in DMZ the center. DMZ kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. And it was like all anarchy up in the neutral zone. Um, anyway, in, in most of my research, it didn't change wholeheartedly. In my thought process on war. Well, that's a big philosophy to shift. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my research and in my early note on how I thought about the uh, justifiability of war, it was, I tried to do it prior to like the past two years of research I've done because I've done a lot of deep diving into like American history. And um, prior to that, it was how I said earlier. Um, but since then, and even more so in my most recent research, I feel that many of the wars and obviously it's a hindsight 2020, but I feel like many of the wars could have been avoided. Obviously the big mm-hmm. ones, I don't think like world war two is an obvious, definitely, yeah. Not, yeah. definitely something that needed to happen. Um, and I don't know a whole lot about the Vietnam War, but I've read a lot about how it started and how there's just this big mass of unknown on exactly how it started. The biggest one is um, there's a radar glitch of some sort on a boat or on a, on a U.S. Navy vessel that fired a missile at a ghost ship. 
that it thought there was something there and there was nothing there. And that's what got us into Vietnam War. Really? Yeah. That was called the, um, what was the name of that? The ship. No, the name of the event. I forget what it was. It kicked it off. And you know what he's talking about? I know what he's talking about. Yeah. And, um, hold on. I can tell you. I thought it was just that, like, the Vietnamese had this, like, civil war going. Well, that's why we were over there. Yeah. We were mm-hmm. over there to support the South Vietnamese. Yep. Yeah. Because they wanted support from the capitalist West. And that's all I thought it was. And the North Vietnamese, which were communist, was a communist regime, yeah. wa- had the support. It, it was a Cold War, basically. Yeah, it was yeah. like, it was a proxy war. It was two great yeah, superpowers. Yeah, two people were fighting and they were getting supported by... Yeah. But see, I have a problem with that kind of war because I feel like innocent people get thrown In the into a what would be a longer lasting, more possibly more violent um, conflict because we supplied it. Like mm-hmm. we pumped yep. resources into the war, right? And so right. I think that there is a possibility that proxy wars i don't i'm not a big fan of proxy wars like if no. you're going to be in yep. the war then be in the war i 100 agree you're not sweden yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you can't act like sweden and then supply arms right right and i'm not saying that choose one side of the fence or the other not exactly dance on the pickets it would uh by the way that incident is called the gulf of tonkin incident yeah mm. so who was it that uh fired was it america or like it was North an North american warship yeah it was the uss maddox mm-hmm. and um but yeah, it, it fired off in the in the goal of Tonkin, which is why it's called that. They decided to fire, right? That that that's where he was saying the discrepancies come in different reports, and mm-hmm. so uh, it's been said that they had secret plans. To, people have a conspiracy to say yeah, they had secret yeah, plans yeah. to start the war by using the Gulf of Tonkin that actually didn't even happen. That they never actually fired, and then it was just reported that it, so that it could all start. There mm-hmm. was some, there was reports that it did actually fire. And it just goes back and, I mean, so the, I don't actually know what the truth is in that right, scenario. Of course. But, um, right. But the point is they, they say they use that as like the. A trigger. Yeah, the trigger for us joining. Right. And there right. was no actual, sh- no ship was sunk in that. No, right. Yeah, no right. death, right. no. Right. 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 Yeah. But, um, and the thing is. The thing with warfare is there's all this stuff that leads up to it. And it's not just like, say, the Gulf of Tonkin incident that just sets the ball in motion, right? Right. I mean, we had an entire military staged on the peninsula for a reason. Yeah, it's always always the straw that broke the camel's back situation. Yeah, it it may have been the spark, you know. But it's like World War II if World War World War One ended differently. It's possible World War Two wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Because the treaty was something that pissed off the Germans. Yeah, yeah. And that's what Hitler used to rise to power. He used that treaty in the way it was handled to gain power. It wasn't the only thing, don't get me wrong. Right. But it was a, definitely one of the crutches that started or helped start World War II. Well, I mean, that's sort of one of, I don't want to get too far off in the weeds, but yeah. like, <laughs> but it is, I mean, it's, there are two parts to the what is considered the just war theory. Mm-hmm. And the just war theory is, and there are Latin terms, and one is, I think it's called just ad bellum, is one of them. And then I think the other one, I don't have it in front of me, I think it's just post bellum. Is that what mm-hmm. it is? 
There's some just postbellum. Yeah. So, some. but basically one is what is the leading up to the justifications for war? And then the What's other the is process? what is the behavior, yeah. the governing behavior during war, but the just ad bellum part of the philosophy of warfare is that what are the justifications for war? Yeah, pretty much what we're trying to exactly. Talk about. This is mm-hmm. our portion of the question. The just postbellum is how do you behave once you have made that decision? How do you ethically conduct warfare? Mm-hmm. And since we're referring to this first part, there are a lot of a lot of ethical questions that are wrapped up in. What it, when is it okay to to agree to warfare? When is it acceptable to do it? And some of those might be economic strangleholds, right? So mm-hmm. if you have someone who's like more powerful than right. you, like say Russia over the Ukraine, for example, someone who is more powerful and then economically is strangling your country, is that an aggression that is strong enough for you to? have to push back and defend against your livelihood or your countrymen's livelihood. Right. Mm. So there are economic pressures, financial pressures can be triggers for warfare. Right. Is in, how do you guys feel about that statement? As much as I hate, because I want to disagree with it because it's just money, but money is livelihood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no different than say you have, uh, Two, two people that own 10 acres, right? Um, and they 100% survive off these 10 acres. And something happens, something wipes out this one neighbor, right? And he can't make, can't grow any more food. His land is desolate. His animals are dying. His only decision is to take from his neighbor. Right. What do you do? Yeah. And his neighbor says, no, I'm not going to help you. There's nothing I can do. I have just enough to supply my Mm -hmm. family. So, And that is your only option is to take what he has to let his family starve for so your family eats. Right. And I know it's a small version of the same problem, but it's essentially that is the economic reason for war is you need resources. You have no more. Mm-hmm. So you have to reach out somewhere else. And if nobody's going to give them to you, you have to take them by force. There's no other option. But I feel like war has happened for economic reasons prior to all the other options being talked about. So that's, so that's part of the... Last resort policy. Mm-hmm. It's the. Oh, right. It's the. Is it. Is it the only solution that is viable? Right. Is it the only one that has the likelihood of success? Is there another avenue of conflict resolution? Right. So if you haven't approached that last resort, right, then you haven't exhausted all other avenues. You know, if you were to make, if you were to make the decision to go to warfare early, right, and you mm-hmm. haven't used all of your other sources then you haven't ethically gone to war, right? Right. And I th- in my research, I think my f- where I came up on all the uh, research is I don't believe that has always happened. 
I would, I I would there, agree with that. There are many wars that have been fought without them trying every other option. Oh, yeah. And I think that's where most of my research led is, mm-hmm. no, by all means, I don't think war should happen yeah. most of the time. I think it should be the absolute final option because of what it entails and what could happen. Putting two million people's lives at risk. Uh, and most of the time, the person making that decision, it's nobody they know. They might have one friend in the Army or the Navy, their Air Force or Marines, what have you. But the likelihood of the president or anybody in said war room is sending somebody they know 100% personally in the guts, in the belly of this oh, yeah beast that is war like a personal cost right there's no personal cost to that person yeah except for today nowadays it's only political a political cost of whatever it might be and i think that has been lost on us drastically i think that's part of my problem with modern warfare is that it feels so corporate mm-hmm. if it's turned it into a political game it's a good yes. way to put it the lack for a better term, the military industrial complex, as everybody calls it. Right. Yeah. It's been this beast that has grown and hasn't been put in check. Yeah. And I mean, that goes for and most of us here are affiliated or very close uh, with, you know, have passed in the military mm-hmm. or um, lots of family in the military. Like we're just a very military oriented family yeah. and definitely support and love the military. But I do think that they're. I can support the military, not the people who run it. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, there <laughs> yeah. is, um, because the military is exactly like you said, it's the mothers and the fathers. It's the ones who like personally pay the cost. It's the reason everyone in war continues to fight. Like it's because the brother next to you, there is no, th- these are human reasons, mm-hmm. right? To love the military. But to see the cost that goes along with it and to see how flippantly that cost is used, right. As like a, a a political currency Mm -hmm. and families are shipped here and there. And for different reasons that are totally political and posturing and I uh, clarifying again, I, there are personal costs even throughout our family that just, in the in the end, they didn't make sense. They don't make sense, right? There are people that died in wars that were dictated by. These are all my opinions, obviously, not everyone here, but they were dictated by politicians over reasons that we went to war that I may possibly have not agreed with, you know. And so, I don't know how I feel about it because this warfare is has two really important factors, right? The ability to quickly respond, but yet the necessity to respond ethically. Mm -hmm. Those two things are difficult to reconcile together. Yeah. Right. So you have like being able to make a decision quickly, but ethically. Right. So that means the people that you have in power, you have to trust with ethical decisions because they can't be democratically always. Yeah, they can't. Say you know, hey, we because it's all oh, almost always reactionary. Yeah. Hey, we got this thing that happened. We have like two hours to respond. I can't put a vote to the public. Right. 
I mean, right. I get like Congress has to carry us yeah. to war. I get that, right? But as far as like actions of what we know is yeah. warfare, uh, maybe not state on state sponsored, right? You know, what think, Congress would call warfare. I think, and this is a personal opinion. I think one war that I think they did as much as they could prior to going to war is the American Revolution. I didn't realize yeah. until in recent studies that I've read that how much the founders tried to avoid war. Oh, they yeah. They wanted wholeheartedly to stay part of England. And they sent envoys over there directly to the king and they were right. like, let's work Constantly this out. Yeah. Hey, just give us an option. Let us help. Let's be part of this solution. Right. For it years. wasn't their first choice. Right. It was yeah. years upon years of negotiations and problems and things like that. Um, and it wasn't until they finally decided that. And it was a slow process in the decision. There's a reason the Continental Congress, they weren't allowed to meet because Britain was realizing what was going on. There was, they were going through so much. And the founders and everybody behind them wanted everything to stay part of the British Empire. Yeah. Um, but if you read the Declaration in its entirety, they point out everything they had problems with and everything they tried to do prior to this Declaration. Um, I've heard it said many a times, and I, I love the way they tell it, that the Declaration of Independence is a declaration of divorce. Oh, from yeah. America to the Britain king. They tried so yeah. hard to accommodate and talk to the king at the time and try to find a way around going to war. Yeah. And even then it was difficult. They had only 10% of the population was 100% behind them on this. Yeah, they were. The Somehow we are still here today. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's actually a sort of standard rule that between 10 and 15% of a population can cause a revolution. Right. Yeah. That's all it takes. And there's sort but of you're a critical... But you're talking about a, 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 lack of a better term, boys in the woods... Oh, yeah, yeah. ...against a highly trained military. And to, ta to tie back into what you said earlier about, like, the personal cost, mm -hmm. uh, I always found it one of the most fascinating things that that the revolutionary war is one of those wars where the people put their money where their mouth was, you know, hundred percent. It was just like all of these rich and affluent men who you would expect would be, they may bankroll something you would think, but, right. but they wouldn't be paying the personal cost and like right. on the front lines and leading the troops and, and causing the revolution. Mm -hmm. And they drove the revolution and it cost them everything. Right. And Absolutely most of them, everything. most of them, lost their fortunes and died penniless. Mm -hmm. uh, not all of them, but it it is a real, I don't know. It's part of the honor. I think of, of not to get too nationalistic, but like yeah. uh, part of the honor of being American to have that sort of no, like yeah. the founding fathers are the ones that um, made an example of they yeah, they how paid, they you turn it around. The they risked absolutely yeah. everything. Yeah. 10 of them had their house ransacked, properties burned. Mm-hmm. Wife and children kidnapped, prisoners of war, 
four of them lost uh, every child they had in the Revolutionary War. There were... It, What's the, the the big one? John Hancock? Mm-hmm. I mean, he lost everything too, I think. Yeah. And he was he's the one everybody you, know, yes. you can see his signature on there. I think it was... Don't quote me. I think it was John Hancock, but one of the signers had his wife ripped from his bed in the middle of the night uh. and kids taken out of his house, and he was forced to watch his plantation burn to the ground. Go Going back to warfare, what are some other reasons why you think that might be defensible for you to go to war? I mean, like I said earlier, most of the perspective of the justifications for war are from the defensive, defensive side. side. Yeah. yeah right. Because they're say, assuming obviously you're not aggressing yeah, into right. someone mm-hmm. else's. I was going to say very easily you can put on this list. Uh, if it is reactionary, you're like, just answering with self-defense. Yeah. It's just a, if it is anti-aggression. Yeah. 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 I think that's an easy number one yeah, on the list. That's, I mean, uh, yeah, right. If someone is, shows up on your shores in boats and armed, <laughs> ready to fight. I think it's very generally accepted also, and you guys can chime in, that a lot of the reasons are what would be considered human rights related. Yes. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And so some of the examples of those might be uh, ethnic cleansing, right? Mm-hmm. Or religious persecution. Do you feel like that is a strong enough? Does that need clarifiers? Someone who believes they have a right to a certain land. So they try to drive, you know, the current occupants out because they believe it's rightfully theirs. I mean, is this like, I think generally referring to like the Jerusalem? I mean, generally, right? But I mean, that general idea. I think part of the reason. Putin wants Ukraine as for the land as well. Oh, yeah, like he yes, believes yeah. that's like his Russian land. territory. Rightfully his. Yeah. yeah. It was former Soviet territory. Exactly. Right. And so they feel an ownership. <clears throat> so I guess that depends on who you are, what party you are outside of that. So you could have allies who are being aggressed upon, you know, so like, you can have an ally who is being aggressed upon and you have to determine whether your, your relationship with that ally is strong enough that it draws you in into a mm-hmm. yeah. warlike conflict. I, I suppose you would ask something of a similar question to where if it was a enemy or an ally invading another enemy of yours. So like um, we'll just use, for example, if Russia invaded portion of China claiming that it was part of Russia before. And it was, we'll just say for brevity's sake, would that be ethical? Russia invading China. Would it be ethical for the war to happen or ethical for us to enter the war? We're saying them because we're just talking about war, not us specifically going to war, just war in general. I think, um, I mean, I, kind of want to say it could depend on like what's on the land or like how much of it there is i personally don't think it's ethical because just at the point in time we're at is like borders. the borders are set man <laughs> yeah, like, exactly like what are you doing invading yeah, people what, for all land? in modern times there's no reason well for that. okay here's yeah, something exactly that i think my, i i will say no 100 well, yeah. but that's strictly because in modern times we have 
I say in modern times, we have or set boundaries. I would say a war like that is unethical strictly because we're talking about land, right? <clears throat> if we're talking about just land, we take it bare bones how we presented the question. I think it's unethical because you're putting innocent lives at risk over property. That's well said, yeah. I agree. Because, I mean, granted, it might be more natural resources. It might be like this. But you, in current times, you know Russia is not hurting for national resources. As far as we know, obviously. Well, they are. Oh. <laughs> They're hurting on oil. Pretty, well, right. they are. It, like, that's true. They, they are. <laughs> they put that upon themselves. I do that's agree. Not, yeah. That's, that's a self-inflicted wound. Yeah. Um, but I... Something like that, bare bones as far as thinking at it, just strictly as the present yeah. question was presented. Unethical, strictly because you're putting human lives at risk over property. I don't think that's worthy. It's also an unusual form of right, response. Like when True. someone is in economic straits or wanting more land or something, it's much more passive. Oh, yeah. Of a generally right. speaking, I know you were being hypothetical, but you know, if you're talking about different like where is the level of aggression where is it appropriate to call their aggression war war right right because i mean there are levels that are very clearly aggression encroachment arms build up like there there are very clear signs that it is an aggression and so where is the appropriate time you know to call that an act of war and you now must admit to self-defense, right? Right. Okay. I don't, it's a complicated question. I think. Right. Yeah. It is. I don't think going to war is the answer for things like building up arms. I think the answer to that is, you know, just building your own defense, but it's preparing for war. Um, because if obviously if you can stay on the same level as them and prove that, Hey, you fight it's going to be either an equal fight or i'm going to blow you out of the water the likelihood of war actually taking off is less mm -hmm. um because you're just trying to find a way to mitigate said war is preemptive striking unethical oh, the, if you uh, know that they're like a did i steal your thunder only a little bit i was thinking the same thing like we should go into the preemptive strike thing now. right yeah but you're good it's the fine. timing it, no, is that i mean you thought. know if you let's say hindsight is twenty twenty, we know that. Yeah. We know that like looking at an example of Hitler and his build up and his uh, all of the signs that he gave that he was going to be tyrannical mm -hmm. and fascist and really do the world harm. Um, a lot of those signs were ignored in favor of pacifism, especially in the UK mm -hmm. and a lot of the war cabinet there. They just saw as like we don't have a ch we don't stand a chance. <laughs> really? We can't fight them and um because we can't fight them because they didn't they viewed it as a not reasonable chance of success so therefore going to war wasn't intelligent like it wasn't a good decision but because it's, it was a low chance it would, of it would cost them more yeah. but knowing so which is another reason to determine some people look at it as to determine whether war should be or should not be an option. Well, what right. a rational probability statement. But we knew he was building up and we knew that there was something coming. 
is a preemptive strike unethical? It's a very hard decision because we feel I feel like we're in that situation still today because we know China's on that rise. Mm-hmm. I also feel like North Korea is on the rise, but I think they're more of a scapegoat for others. In a yeah. way, yeah, they don't. I, they I, think don't. They, I, mean, they, I think they use Korea to pull us off of China or Russia or something. Like that. That's a, obviously a personal opinion, but I, I think that the other governments that because they're more of a nuisance than right. I think the other Korea. governments that don't like America give money to Korea just to keep our eye off of them, so kind flare of it up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I mean, we are at less risk for having this kind of discussion in the modern day because of the nuclear state of affairs, the right. sort of revolver we all hold to each other's heads. Right. So it's very less likely, I think, that we would preemptively strike someone right. because it is viewed, especially in today's world, as a very overt form of aggression. Yeah. One thing I thought was, I mean, World War II, we might've been able to pull that off. Right. Right. But I don't think in 2022, we could preemptively strike anyone unless they were like, yeah, Yeah. you, you hit the button Mm that after it being 20 seconds in the air, the world knows. about. I mean, that's very clear with superpowers, but what if we're supporting like, like, uh, well, like nor Russia and, and UK and Ukraine, but what if it's like, even Syria is a proxy war. I'm trying. I was trying to find like, <laughs> a war that wasn't a proxy. Chi- war. Was it China uh, and Taiwan? That well, even that's with a superpower. I'm, yeah. I was trying to say, like, what if we were trying to defend some other little country from some other little country? And there are civil wars like, going on back into place. Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, civil wars going on all the is, time over in Africa right now. Yeah, constantly. that's true. Yeah, which I, I well, didn't. I don't there think was a. I, I did read. I wish I had wrote that down. I did read about a, a provisions that they'd been making um, to the governing body of African countries. I can't remember what it's called. It's sort of like their their UN. NATO. Yeah, 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 I mean, their yeah, UN. Yeah, it's yeah. like their. But they they have this provision that they've been trying to get in there that is supposed to speak to the the risk of legitimate governments making war. So basically Africa is very prone to rebellion. So mm-hmm. like a, a lot of their countries, because oh, yeah. they're very tribal, yeah. they're very, uh, ideologies are moving and flowing and changing. It's a very fluid environment. And, um, so there is a lot of turnover in governments and a lot of their constitutions are changed and, and moved. And so, the governing wisdom over the entire African countries. I I can't, I wish I could remember the name of that organization, but it was basically constantly, they're trying to put through this amendment, I guess you would call it. I don't know what the technical term for them is, but where they basically say, unless you are a form, a recognized legitimate government by us, then you can't go to war, right? So, but that's a twofold problem, mm-hmm. right? Who determines their legitimacy, right? Right. That means there's a controlling power, and um, that means that they can claim that there are illegitimate acts of war and then punish them accordingly. So that means they can use force to control who is a legitimate government. It means yeah. they can say you're not a legitimate government. That 
you can't do that. You right, now give all right. your stuff to this person yeah. right next to you because I like him more than you. And this yeah. this came in. This can be sort of a secondary means of control of rebellion. Mm-hmm. So they can say, oh, we don't like this rebellion. We don't recognize that as a legitimate, mm-hmm. right? So that takes away possibly the voice of people who are trying to speak in their country and like become a legitimate government. And so I just thought that was an interesting side note in the sort of justifications for war argument, how it sort of threw this complicated wrench into gear for some country that now it doesn't really affect us too much personally, but like say you lived in Africa, it could drastically affect like your ability to protect yourself Mm -hmm. because it's considered uh, any engagement in warfare. If you're not a legitimate, um, government yeah. you know is is considered illegitimate and I, I just thought that was an interesting side note too to the way we view warfare is very clean and cut you know but to a lot of countries who are struggling with their organization their birth their future right that it's not as clean and cut to be fair to play a little devil's advocate here when we say like borders are set borders have been borders you know 50 years at least or more, yeah. right? They have been pretty solid. So there are some fluid ones, um, but as far as borders go, I have to be honest and say this, that's easier for me to say. Like as an American, that's easier for me to say. You know, we, we control some of the greatest oh, natural yeah. resources and we are protected by some of the greatest natural resources, two large oceans, Right. We're basically safe. I mean, not eternally safe and not perfectly safe, but I'm just saying. We're in a good spot. Compared, comparatively oh, yeah. to just about any other country in the world, we're about as safe as And up gets. until, I mean, like, modern day, we were protected by Mother Nature. Like, we even, were isolated yeah, and was left say, alone to grow. Right? It's mm-hmm. crazy good. It is a crazy good location. And so not only that, we aren't surrounded by aggressors. We aren't surrounded by other people who have natural resources and we don't well, like, Canada's I think a it's, lot like France. They just wave the flag. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think it's easier for us to be passive and say, right. Hey, borders are borders. And then there are countries that are, you know, struggling in, because they don't have, resources. they're in sub-Saharan situations. Hey, yeah. Oh, you know, right. I see what you mean. Like within our nation, we have, I mean, we have everything we need to yeah, survive. We'd ever need. Yeah. We're we go, we're, we're saying, Hey, borders are borders from a place of privilege. Thank God that I live where I do. Absolutely. Because I couldn't imagine. luck. Right. Just south of us, Mexico, Mm -hmm. they have a governing body, and they're not the worst in the world. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't live there. Oh, yes. You could. uh, No. Never. (laughs) But. Strictly because they don't have enough natural resources to keep themselves going. They rely on everybody else. But because of where they are and what they hold the Panama Canal, people have to pay them. Yeah. That's where majority of their like big bucks come from. That and obviously drugs, but neither here nor there. Right. <laughs> Without modern day understanding of borders, Mexico would be part of the US. And I, I'm not <laughs> saying that just because the other countries might have more difficult time financially or like with resources or whatever that, that constitutes a right to warfare. I didn't Right. I wasn't taking the argument that far. I was only saying that it 
it is easier to say that we're comfortable when we are comfortable. Yeah. yeah. It's easier to say you shouldn't go to war over borders when we have everything we need. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. It's a really good point. I didn't think about it at all. It feels kind of unfair. <laughs> yeah. It is a tough spot to be in. Like if you're in a place internationally where you need more, right? You don't have. That's, that's how all commerce works. Something to even, bring to the table. Right. right. Even in a. Uh, Which is how a lot of African countries are. They're they're pretty self-sufficient in terms of like feeding themselves. And right. Clothing. You know what I'm saying? But right. like. But bringing something internationally to the table where they become a player, right. that's where they need to find their identities and, right. and resources and things like that. But Right. For, Even in a communistic-type society, even at that point, you're just land to this other entity. They're not going to fight tooth and nail to yeah, take you because you don't have any natural resources to get. Extra space. Mm -hmm. Right. You're just the border to the next country that I want that's next to you. Yeah. I was going to say for Africa, I mean, they have issues unifying. Uh, but wouldn't it be pretty feasible to, like, don't they have a lot to trade with? They're just court sort of I, not in the game yet? I think they have some of the that's largest I mean. silver resources or so, silver deposits on the right on the planet. Which, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. which yeah. one of the hardest things to deal with they is the West's. Mountains corporate reach into their mining yep. resources. Yeah. I mean, yeah. their countries really need to be in control and the people really need to learn how to be in control. But, you know, so do you guys feel like, uh, I feel like our conversation was very tangential today, which is totally fine and totally fine and totally fun. But like, do you feel like after the conversation or after you, you know, did some research this past week or anything, do you feel like anything changed in you? I I, I know that I didn't have a, a radical turning over into a new page on warfare, but do you guys feel like there was anything that was worthy of note? I I agree. I don't think I had a radical change, but I feel like my depth of knowledge and understanding of reasons for war expanded and realizing Yes, I still think war can be justifiable, but I think it should always 100% be the very last option, and I don't think that has always been how it's been handled. Yeah, for sure. And I didn't realize that until more recently. So my knowledge on the uh, on the topic has brightened. I just think that it should be handled with more care yeah. Then most people throw it out today and in all modern wars, essentially. Do you feel like your perspective on warfare before was a little more? I don't want to put words in your yeah. mouth, which is why I'm asking. My perspective on but do you think war it was, was more a, reckless, a yes, little bit more, more lenient, more yeah. reckless, and I think it needs to be more. What's controlled. the term they use for that? Hawkish? Is that right? Sounds right. I think it's hawkish. I don't know. I think that's a term that it's like a political term that right. people mean they're like more antsy for war, right? Like, Not uh, that you were antsy, for right? Like, yeah. So my my thought was um, war was justifiable as it is now, but I think it is less justifiable than I thought it was before. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, that's that's where I stand yeah. on the, the 
the topic at hand. David, what about you? Do you feel like? Uh, if I did change, it wasn't much. It, it basically the one word that really stuck with me through the research was reactionary. If you going to war isn't a reaction to this. I don't want to say act of war because that's just repeating war, right? But if it isn't a reaction to aggression, what is a obvious act of aggression, then I don't think it's justified at all. I think, like, there's no, if you are lacking for resources, you don't need to go to war for them. There are plenty of times that countries have helped out other countries from the good of their heart. Oh, okay. So you're saying, but you're saying that supporting someone else in war, like an ally or something like that, could possibly be legitimate. Is that what you're saying? What I, I was trying to find out which that last part is, which. No, oh. no, no, no. The, the person who is lacking the resources to survive uh, can re- reach out instead of attacking a country. Yeah. Reaching out more instead of, res- instead of jumping to war just because you yeah. need resources. I mean, that's the way it was back in the day, but that right. should be thrown away so fast. Right. Well, I think that it actually is less common. I think it oh, is much I, more yes, common yes. to be an ideological war right now. Yeah. A war 100%. of 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 hatred or a war of religion or a war of ideology. Yeah, some personal conviction. Mm-hmm. Than it is to be. It's because we're boiling it down to what it means to be human now, not what right. it means yeah, to yeah. be a ruler of this area. I will say, if if it is an ideological war, never throw the first stone. Mm-hmm. Agreed. There's no reason to. Because that's costing human lives. And, and the only justifiable reason, you're giving them reason to answer you back, too. It's mm-hmm. like if if people are being attacked because of their humanity, right, their religion, their ethnicity, their whatever, if you're just going to attack them. The whole world is like. You just gave you, everyone license, right? Because yeah. now they have humanitarian reasons yeah. to back them up. Right. So it's, and maybe that's a good Maybe down the road that will slowly eliminate warfare. I mean, I don't know that warfare will ever be eliminated, but. If we can, well, maybe not even then. I was going to say. Or by if some stretch of the imagination, it is against the extinction of the human species. (laughs) Go fight (laughs) your space war. Wait, what? Like ensuring the survival of the human being goat. If it means you have to go fight a galactic war for our survival, then it's sort of an extension of human rights, but like all human human survival rights. (laughs) Cosmic scale. What about you, Sean? Like tomorrow war? Uh, I pretty much, well, I mean, I don't don't know if I'd say I even changed because I wasn't concrete uh, about much before. I didn't think there were many reasons to justify war, but however many I I thought there might be, I definitely don't, I definitely think there's less. Uh, 
than I thought there would be. Mm -hmm. uh, the scope is a lot tighter than I thought it would be. Do you feel like you narrowed your understanding yeah. of what is acceptable? Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I mean, especially in today's age, there's, there's so few reasons. Uh, it should be purely reactionary, like David said, I think. And it's, too bad not everyone thinks that way. Yeah. Because <laughs> if they did, then we wouldn't be fighting, then, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and I don't I don't think there's hope of extinguishing war uh, totally. Yeah. Maybe. Part of human sin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're built to fight. But I like to hope. Yeah. Part of human sin and just part of the differences we have. Just... In religion alone. And the convictions of those. Yeah, right. I think, yeah. I don't think today people are so powerful with their convictions that they want to start wars over it. Uh, it's, to me, it's almost always about money these days. I think that there's a big shift. I mean, over the last, I don't know, 30, 50 years, that really comes to redefine the future of what we call war. I mean, and the justification for it too, because the more we understand about like human rights, the more we understand about proper ethical behavior and aggression is not tolerated in the world like it was. Right. It's no. just not a, it's, as yeah. soon as it happens, the whole world is on top of you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Back in the day, for it was good like, or bad, the news is right there. Yeah. Back yeah. in the day, I mean, you could look over like the hill in Japan and be like, oh, that province is getting invaded. Yeah. Oh, well. It, it was just yeah. our, the human history we should probably is move. full of death and destruction and human yeah. war and conflict. But when you compare how much human conflict has caused damage, uh, or cost human lives in the last 50 years compared to how many, how much has been lost previous to that. We're on track. We, we, we've shifted something already. We're already in the, Oh, we've already eliminated war. Like 99%. Right. I'm, that's a figurative number. I don't know the exact number. I'm just saying we've definitely, yeah, there was a change. We've definitely war used to be a thing. It used to be a, like an constant. all the time, right. constant in, thing I mean, around the, the world. Hundreds, there were like four. Yeah. So world wars. Yeah. 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 Now I'm not saying that we couldn't misstep and find ourselves in a place where warfare is once again, a killer, but we've also but cut 90% of the, human lives that were lost through war. Like yeah. the, the amount of lives lost yeah. during a war has gone down so much. And that's because we fight war wars in a more ethical manner. The That sort of uh, just add, what is it? Just add bellow. Anyway, the, the middle part, right? The yeah, part yeah, where you're yeah. in warfare, how do you conduct yourself now? Yeah. Right. And the West, for sure, you know, the countries that employ the ethics, which are most countries nowadays, employ the ethical warfare strategies. How do you treat POWs? How do you treat, right, right, right. you know, we don't fellow go humans, period. We don't go around and just blowing up buildings just because yeah. one bad guy's in it. Yeah. And there are 10 families 
living right. in the same. Right. And that's why building. Russia's getting such a bad rap in this. Yeah, in this they're just is because of how they're stuff. handling it. It's because they are unethically. It's, it's one thing to go to war with another military. It's another one to go to war and just start killing civilians. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, used points. to war. It was fair. Used to war against another country meant you could fight anyone in that other country. Right. But it's not that way anymore, right? They right. know that if you're an armed combatant, then you're part of the enemy. Right. If you're not, you're a non-combatant. And so warfare itself has changed. And so the cost of warfare has changed. Right. And uh, to that, I think the transition point in that type of warfare was around World War II mm-hmm. because. Be, well, it was what? such a meat grinder. Well, it, it was. was yes. well, World it, War One was actually the, a huge meat grinder. Right. Well, it was like we tanks, started because tanks that, got introduced. Because that was, was where the the guerrilla warfare met technology yeah. in such yes. a weird way mm-hmm. that nobody knew how to handle yeah, it. Yeah, so we're just stuck in trenches Stumbling bombing each other. Right. Yeah. But it was um, to the aspect of like the technology and how we handle war and how World War Two was that transition period. Is because, and I think modern technology today helps affect that because of so many different countries are more like America to where they have different ideologies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all through over the country. You're, you're not pigeonholed in this one thing well, yeah, be- like, because of these smartphones yeah. and being able to understand other religions and all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, Ideological borders are relate or erased, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas before, like World War II, all of Japan was against America, against America, just because we were Americans. We were the bulldogs you didn't want to wake up because they were isolated that way, yeah. right? And now they're not. And most, not all, obviously, but most modern countries have civilians that wouldn't go to war just because they know Americans are on soil. Whereas in World War II. They're quoted saying they taught children how to create bombs and strap them to the bottom of American tanks if there was a land invasion. Yeah. Oh the uh, the emperor was quoted that if you invade our lands, you are going to have to kill every one of us yeah, before we'll you win. Die to the last man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's also been quoted that if he didn't drop the bombs – Every Japanese man would probably be de- dead today, right, they because they would have fought tooth to the last yeah. tooth and nail to the last man. As much as I hate nuclear weapons, as much oh, as yeah. I loathe yeah. having them and having to have them, if we didn't drop those, we could still possibly be in war with right. the Japanese today right. because of that. He has been quoted saying that he. The emperor couldn't show weakness, right? Because of because of their honor system, and I understand that. So he couldn't just back out of the war because he's already in the thick of it. Yeah. And so, being showing weakness, they would have just found somebody to replace him at that point. Right. And the bombs gave him his out. And yeah, it was, it, it was a way to say I've been clearly been defeated. Right. It was a way for him to we can't acknowledge to his country that was a killing said, blow for us, gentlemen. Hey, this will happen again if we do not surrender. And the second one verified that mm-hmm. that thought. And as much as I hate the nuclear weapons and what it did to that countryside, don't get me wrong, and the atrocities it put on those people, it saved 
millions of lies. And I understand that hindsight's twenty twenty, and I don't think we should drop nukes again today. It's a tough choice. But though. if I could drop as much as I hate to say that I would do this, mm-hmm. if I could drop one nuke in the Middle East and it wiped out the Iraqi war and we would never have that issue again, I I might flip that switch. But that's a hindsight 2020 thing. Yeah. Right. And now we're fighting ideological wars, and those are, are, are wars of ideas. Right. Yeah. I think it has to happen organically now. Yep. Yes. And the world has to work its way through its ideas without major bloodshed. This, yeah, but without mm-hmm. this state control, though, is the problem. Mm-hmm. That's where we're going to come into I mean, I don't want to go down this deep, deep rabbit hole, but like <laughs> the 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 state of Russian propaganda and Chinese mm-hmm. information control is going to really be the limiting factor because they can they can manipulate ideologies mm-hmm. and they can manipulate ideas about the world to garner support for their aggression. And I mean, there are people. Yeah. Russia is filled with people right now who are supporting what they're doing because yeah. they don't understand what's happening yeah. in the world. That so. brings a point back to the the atomic bombs. Something I didn't realize until the past few years of research. Um, we did everything we can to save every civilian. We were dropped those bombs. We dropped tons of pamphlets warning the Japanese civilians. Really? Yeah. But it was illegal in Japan to even look at it. Oh right, right. You couldn't pick it up without getting shot. Like it was, it was against the law and against the law of the emperor to even consider grabbing one of those pamphlets and reading it. The reason we chose those establishments is because they were military compounds in that area, and so we tried to warn the civilians the only way we knew how to tell them, "Hey, get out! You have a certain amount of time before this will not be a place anymore." Um, and and, and that was the propaganda thing. We were trying to yeah. do what we could to warn the civilians as ethically as we could, I, this, but we still had to do something in order to eliminate the idea of a land invasion. This, the way you were talking about that really brings me to a point that I had actually, from the very beginning, intended to talk about and forgot. And I hate to do it right as we're wrapping <laughs> up, but I honestly do think it's important. And that is... Uh, it's a very simple idea and one that we all agree with, I'm sure. But that is the idea of intent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were talking about how America, like, we we didn't want to kill. I know that sounds easy to say. Right. That you didn't want to kill a bunch of civilians, even though you did. Right. I know that. I know how that sounds. But. What you were saying is uh, we we were trying to maximize the efficiency of the bomb, not by civilian deaths, but by um, display of impact, Mm -hmm. right? Like military impacts. Right. So having intent matters, right? It matters. I've I've talked about this on other podcasts. I mean, on other topics, Mm -hmm. right? It always matters. It matters when you murder someone, whether you intended to murder them or not, because that Mm -hmm. gives you a totally different um, sentence because it's a totally different crime when you intend to do something and then do it. And I think that warfare is very similar. So I think that you have to have 
I think that it matters what your intention is. But the problem is when you're on a local level, when you're on a Hatfield and McCoy level, when you're on a neighbor level, right? This like uh, conflict between humans, it's much easier to understand the other person's intent, right? The question is, can you have quote unquote air quotes here, people like intent as a government, as a democratic process can intent exist that's the question right is it even discernible can you discern yeah, intent yeah. Can i you, want to can say, you say somebody there is but it's again quote unquote depending on how it's hard because i love the american government system um and being able to separate said powers uh the people we elect to make those decisions. We're electing them because we think they're going to make the ethical decision. Or at least you need to be electing them for that reason. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's to me, that would be, they should be making the ethical decision for their constituents, for their people. Which is why that's the only way it can be ethical is if the people in power are making the ethical decision for their country as a whole. So that, I mean, in my opinion, that can be why it's important to make a moral decision at the polls. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. 100%. I mean, because you're, you're <laughs> bringing <laughs> ethics in, you know, there's no way to separate ethics from leadership positions. No, there is no way. 100%. So anyway, I thought that, deep topic I thought that, day. yeah, I thought that <laughs> point worth making that intent mattered. So yes, no, 100% <laughs> intent worth. is 100% the driving factor. But I do think that it is hard to discern intent like mm -hmm. at, at that level. Mm -hmm. yeah. but yes. You can't, you can't just say, only. oh, well, they didn't intend to be aggressive. <laughs> right, right. right. Well, okay. You know, yeah. like, well, they didn't mean to do that. Well, yeah, well. And how do you prove or you disprove intent? You blew up half a town. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can't just like. Say well, it wasn't our intent to stir aggression. It's like they know, rolled up with a tank. I'm not. I I think they they sent a bomb to, to my hospital. <laughs> but like. take like American take take an American yeah. move that stirred up aggression. There was a there was a, a point where we put nuclear weapons in Turkey mm -hmm. back in the Cold War. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we put these weapons that are in now striking distance of the uh, they're still Soviet there. Union. Right. They're still there. And, um, well, some of them have been decommissioned, decommissioned because yeah. of, of arms reduction agreements. But we put these um, in place, and I'm sure probably the first person that ever talked about it was doing it in a defensive measure, right? And I'm sure most of the people along the line agreed, oh, yeah, that's the safe place to put it because there are allies. Turkey's now our allies, so we can put nuclear weapons there. They're in striking distance, so that makes us safe. But what does it also do? It also sends a it's aggressive also, It's also aggressive. It's a act. form yeah. of aggression. So right. the question is, can you discern aggressive intent at a right. at a level, a military strategic mm. level? Is that even possible to do? All right. Sorry for what the last tangent. <laughs> oh, no. We, uh, we are <laughs> they, a podcast full of tangents. That's what we are. Yeah. yeah. I think these, the last tangents were... Uh, Understandable. Yeah. Like that's, that's organic. Yeah. So I think that again, does it for concludes us this week? It does. And we are glad that, 
uh, Jeremiah could come and be on our podcast today. Yeah, that was, yeah I love this. It was me fun. too. Thanks always, for having me. It seems to be. Uh, I'm sure that part of it is because you are a brother, and I'm sure part of it is also having a fourth person. It seems to be interesting that adding uh, adding in here and there has been there's all sort of rejuvenating. Yeah, there's always it's a, it's a lot of fun brought to the table. Yeah. I'm glad I can bring more insight from another another side of the proverbial table. So <laughs> if you came into this conversation and uh, and you shifted in the way you thought about war, why don't you tell us how you feel? Tell us where you changed. If you go to our Facebook page, I'm, tell- I'm just kidding, David. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> go ahead. You should have seen the look I gave him. <laughs> he gave me a, were you, you taking his I was lines? taking his Facebook line. Yeah. No. No, serious. Um, yeah, if you guys, um, if you enjoyed today, if you go to um, candorencounter.com and leave us a review, it'd be really helpful. If you would give us some feedback on Apple Podcasts, we'd really like it. And it would tell us a little bit about how we're doing and we can adjust and recalibrate. Let me know how I did today. Yeah. Let Jeremiah know. Just... Just him, just, not us. No, here's what I want you to do. I just want you I want you to make sure you click five stars first. But then like after you click five stars, just use uh some I don't know, what's a good offensive emoji that he could send Jeremiah? Like the the throwing up emoji, the puking emoji. <laughs> <laughs> or did I just date myself by asking for emojis? I don't know. I don't know anymore. I don't uh, care. But, uh, you can use memes, no. it's okay. I can use yeah. Yeah. They All right. Just- well, send us uh, what you thought about Jeremiah. He's our uh, fourth. So now we have. I wonder if we could just fit everyone in our family in this podcast at one day. And that would be amazing. It would be absolute. No, it would be chaos. It no, would be it would indiscernible be, chaos. It would be we'll, great. Need, we'll need a talking stick <laughs> for sure. We do need something that we can follow the bouncing ball. Yeah. Right. Something that we can control the flow a little more. Because it um, would definitely be. I would need a notepad because I'd lose my train of thought consistently. That sounds oh, like don't so worry. much fun. That happens. And we should definitely all have notepads, but yeah, that's not how we roll. Nope. <laughs> not today, anyway. <laughs> we go, oh, that reminded me of yeah. something. We, and then we go chase the that. Hey, what was that thing? And then, hold on, let's Google things while this is paused. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, uh, yeah, we're glad you came. And, uh, and we hope you come back for more. So, if you will, go to our Facebook page, message us there, send us your favorite song, as well as you can find our links in the show notes. So, uh, I want to invite you guys over, if you're a Candor Encounter listener and you have not gone over and listened to our sister podcast on the Sanctuary Podcast Network, network if uh, you'll go over and check out The Real Roundtable, that is my movie podcast, and uh, I review different movies with a couple of buddies of mine who um, give me movies that I've never seen before, and they think they're hidden gems and should be checked out, and then I tell them how much I hate them. But if you'll go over to therealroundtable.com or search The Real Roundtable, R-E-E-L, you can look at all our episodes and... Um, and check out my favorite, which is Tank Girl, which for some reason has the least views of all of them. And it's my it's my favorite episode, guys. So go check it out. The first few minutes are pretty slow, but we once we hit our stride, it was the best episode ever. So 
If you have a topic you want us to talk about, go to candorencounter.com slash submit. There's a box there. You put what you want in, and we'll for certain be talking about it. So please give us all your topics. Thanks. Thank you again, Jeremiah, for coming out to visit us. And as for our listeners, never forget, we love you as a human being. So until next time, take it easy. Nah, don't because I heard something too. You can't just. I heard like a child. <laughs> you oh, shut the. Oh no! Up. Oh god! I heard a child. I heard a. I heard a. I just thought it was a chair or something. I. It sounded like a chair kind of like moving across the ground. We're gonna stick with that's that. Probably okay? something groaning. That's. Yeah. I mean the chair groaning. Like. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right.